This is Getting Past the Subtitles. I am Sean Peel. This is DK Lee. And we are in week number two of our Akira Kurosawa um, deep dive. Week three. Week three? That's how, that's where my mind is at right now. <laughs> no, you're right, because we did Ikiru last, and then, yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, so last week was uh, Ikiru. Lots of high praise from Lee over there <laughs> for like everything, like like Best top movie like, ever, like top of the top. <laughs> like screw the entire podcast. This is day one. And then before that was uh, Sanshiro Sugata, also really great. And this week we are in arguably Apex Mountain territory. Are we in the tippy top of Akira's mountain? Maybe not for Lee because he likes. Ikiru so much but I think in general you think Kurosawa you think Seven Samurai correct? This is like the biggest influence that Akira has and not, in not, the world right right in the film world like just, just yes. like in the entire film landscape a lot of filmmakers will will um point to this movie right right and yeah we will get into it There's there's definitely a lot of reasons why and it's pretty clear as to why as well. So, yes. Yeah, so, Seven Samurai, Kira Kurosawa, directed in 1954. Um, not really sure where he was at in his career for this, but definitely quite a while in. I think he already did Rashomon, right? I think we skipped over mm-hmm. it. Rashomon. Yes. Yep. So, he's pretty well working with Mufune by this point. But, yeah. As far as, like, this movie goes, I think... This is Mufune's favorite of his roles uh, that he's oh, yeah? done. Yeah, that I read. Which is kind of funny because here is like a treacherous shoot as as well. <laughs> I mean, like the last climactic battle when it was in the rain. Originally, they were supposed to do that in summer, but they actually did it in February. So it was like freezing cold outside. And yeah. if you know his... Kikuchio's costume in that scene the guy's basically like naked (laughs) he's pretty much wearing no clothes for that entire scene so I couldn't even imagine what it was like shooting that in freezing weather um yeah there's there's a lot about this movie um a lot of funny little side stories to get into but yeah like I said super influential really sparked a lot of American western films it actually got an adaption. The Magnificent Seven is based off this, and inspired a lot of other films uh, back in the '60s, and continues to inspire filmmakers today. So, tell us, Lee, what exactly is this three and a half long trek of a film? So, this film called Seven Samurai takes place in 1587. It's a time of turmoil and time when bandits roam everywhere and they raid villages and steal and pillage and mm. all of that jazz. And so there's this mountain village that has, you know, farmers who farm, but they are unable to take their crops and use it for their own good because these bandits would come every year and pillage and take their food, take their crops. And so they decide to do something about this because it's either 
they'd starve to death or they do something about these bandits. And so the villagers, they go to the elders to ask for you know, advice. And right. so these villagers go to the elders and the elder talks about this one village that actually hired samurai to protect the village. And they were able to successfully um, ward them out. And so that village, you know, was safe and they were able to live happily ever after. <laughs> and so right. the elder suggests this and the villagers are like, okay, fine. We're going to go into the towns and look for a samurai and we're going to offer them rice um, <laughs> in return. But the thing is, you know, like samurai are kind of very uh, prideful and they're very, you know, higher class Sure. And so they're kind of scared because they're not sure if these samurai would, you know, come help just for, you know, rice, right? Right. But then they go anyway, so they go to the city and they start looking for samurai. But as you can imagine, most of the samurai there are actually insulted by what they're asking, like the offer that they're giving. And so they're at a loss and they're out of hope. But then one day they see this samurai who is making all these commotion and these uh, all these people are gathering around him and he's um, near a river and he's shaving his head off mm. to hair shaving his hair off his head to <laughs> like scalp and all yeah <laughs> to act like a monk because there's actually a thief who took a child hostage and he's trying to help that mother um, get the child back. So he disguises himself as a monk and he gets two rice balls and he goes into this little shed where the um, thief is hiding and he is able to subdue the thief and, you know, save the child from he murders the hands of the thief. He cuts that man down. <laughs> yeah, pretty well. <laughs> and so because after seeing that, they are inspired to ask him for help. And so they kind of like stalk him. <laughs> and meanwhile, meanwhile, there's another uh, younger samurai named Katsushiro mm. who also watches the scene and he's in awe by this, you know, samurai. Right. And the older samurai's name is Kanbei Shimada. And he's inspired by the samurai. And he asks him to become a disciple mm. of this older samurai. But then... Kambe rejects him because he's young and he is like being good at fighting is not really all that, you sure. know, as it seems. So he kind of, you know, pushes him away. But then as they're walking, um, he's very persistent. So he's like, okay, we'll try to figure something out. And so the villagers go and they ask this samurai, Kambe, for help. And he kind of you know, also is kind of tired of war and fighting, so he kind of wanted to reject them. But then yeah. seeing just how how desperate they are, he agrees to help. And so the first way he agrees to help is by finding more samurai because he realizes that by himself he's not going to be able to fend off 40 bandits. There's mm -hmm. a lot of bandits. So he's like, I'm not going to be able to do this alone, so we're going to have to recruit some more samurai. And so... They begin to recruit samurai. They watch people and samurai walking on the streets and they check them out and see if they're good samurai or kind of bad samurai. Right. And Kanbei devises a plan to test these samurai. So once they find a suitable candidate, 
he would ask the villagers to escort them back to this little hut. And Katsushiro would be waiting in an ambush to attack the would-be samurai candidate to test if this samurai truly was able to, you know, fight and is quick on his feet and all that. The first candidate is Gorobe Katayama, and he is actually a very skilled archer. And he actually, even before he goes into the hut, he (laughs) senses the danger and he's like, you're kidding, right? (laughs) Surely you just. Yeah. And then Kambe is like, hey, I'm just trying to test people so that I know that they're good samurais because the request of these farmers is something that's going to require a lot of fighting. So I need to test these samurai. I hope you're not offended. And Gorobe basically is the first one to accept the offer. Mm-hmm. And then now Gorobe is also helping right. Kambe find more samurai. And Gorobe is looking around the town and he sees this guy who is chopping wood. And this guy is chopping wood very happily and he's a very happy dude, happy-go-lucky samurai. And he asks him if he wants to help out. And so he recruits Heiachi Hayashida, which is another samurai that comes to the village's aid. And while that's going on, Kanbei meets actually his old friend, Shichiroji, who was a former lieutenant. They used to fight together. And so he asks him to help out as well. And he heartily agrees. And after that, they are going in the town. And there's this big commotion that's going in the town. And there's this samurai who's fighting this other guy. And at first, they're fighting with wooden sticks. But then once uh, the samurai beats the other dude, but then the other dude is like, no, I can't accept this loss. It was a draw. But then the samurai is like, no, you would have died. Trust me, you would have died. <laughs> but he's like, no, I wouldn't have died. I would have killed you too. And so he's like, fine, let's fight with steel. He's like, no, you're really going to die. You don't want to do this. But then the guy takes out his sword and he's like, fight me. And so the samurai basically destroys him. <laughs> yeah. And that samurai's name is Kyuzo. And so after seeing that battle or seeing that you know fight, Kambe and the crew, they ask Kyuzo to um, help out. And he does. Well, Kambe is like, hey, this is where we're at. If you want to kind of help us, uh-huh. come join us. And he does. And so that is the six samurais that are there. Then there's this one other guy who has been there the whole time. He's this really rambunctious, really lively, kind of like sketchy dude. And he actually sees Kambe in the beginning too. And he follows him around. Because he also wants to be kind of recognized as a samurai. Sure. And so he decides to help the six samurai as well. And the villages as well. But he's like the most outcast of the group. And his name is Kikuchio. And so finally the seven samurai assemble. And after they go to the village, they are met with nobody in the village. <laughs> They're all scared of the samurais. And so they're hiding. But then the samurai are kind of like offended by it. And so they go to the elders to kind of talk about what's going on. But then they start hearing an alarm. And all the villagers go out in panic because they're scared because they're fearing the bandits have come. But then it's actually Kikuchio who sounded the alarm to raise, stir up the people to come out. 
Mm. And because of that, the villagers kind of feel like they're, they realize that they really need the help of the samurai in their fear. They ask the samurai for help. And the samurai are kind of like happy because of what Kikuchio did. He's like, oh, he's actually kind of useful after all. Right. And so so they kind of accept him into the ranks of the samurai. <laughs> and so with that, they start you know, preparing for the defenses. And Kanbei starts um, strategizing and looking around and trying to see which area would be the best to defend and how to defend it and when to defend it and all of that. Right. And so they decide that and they the harvest comes and as they are harvesting the barley, they begin to prepare the defenses as well. And so they start um, creating a moat in one, one side of the village so mm. that the, uh, the horses cannot... Um, go through it and they also make kind of like fences and and like you know um, walls around certain areas so that they can't go through that way and eventually they burn uh, i think they like remove a bridge so that they can't cross that way yeah and they kind of create only one way for these bandits to really attack the the village and the plan of of the samurai basically is to lure the the bandits a little by little into this kind of basically a death trap as they as soon as they come in they would surround them and try to kill them one by one and say so, and so they prepare this and lo and behold the bandits come <laughs> right and so basically part two is basically the whole battle like the battle the whole right. time <clears throat> right going on just spread out into like mini skirmishes. Yeah, different skirmishes like and different areas of battle and stuff like that. The first time the bandits come, they come with scouts, and these scouts are in the woods up in the mountains. And I forget who who uh, finds out about them. Who finds out about the? Uh, it, it was um, again? it was uh, Katsushiro when he was with Sh- oh, yeah. Shino. Right, Katsushiro, yeah, Katsushiro, while he's with Shino, a a village girl who there's this guy named Manzo who's one of the village people, and he has a daughter named Shino because he feels like these samurai are going to be taking the women for <laughs> themselves. He's scared of of them, and so he basically he cuts off her hair and makes her disguise herself as a boy to try to protect them from these samurai. But then Katsushiro, while he's like going out picking flowers he meets shino who is disguised as a boy but then he realizes she's a girl and they kind of get together and while they're up in the mountains kind of chilling with each other they right. see the scouts uh, horses and katsuchiro tells the samurai about what's happening that the scouts are there and so what they decide to do is they decide to actually feel them out <laughs> yeah feel them out and then kind of. Scouts come and start spying on the village, yeah. and they realize that samurai are there. And so they go to try to tell the other bandits about it, but then Kyuzo and Katsushiro and Kikuchio uh, basically kill the scouts. And yeah. instead of just leaving it at that, they decide to actually go to the bandits' den and to ambush them while they are um, not aware. 
Right. So that's basically the first conflict that happens. And the samurai that go is Heiachi, Kyuzo, and Kikuchio. Mm-hmm. And also with Rikichi. The four of them go and they basically ambush this uh, bandit's den. And while they're sleeping, they decide to burn the place that they're sleeping. And as they're coming out, they would, you know, basically um, right. kill them. The bandits are there and they took all the wives and, and other women there with them. And one of the women there is actually Rikichi's wife. And right. so Rikichi is shocked to see his own wife. And he, you know, tries to go save her. But she, after seeing Rikichi, is kind of shocked. And she is ashamed and she basically kills herself in the fire. And while that's happening, Heiachi tries to take Rikichi back because it's actually very dangerous. And while he's trying to save Rikichi, he gets shot and he dies. And that's the first samurai that dies. And so uh, Kyuzo and Kikuchio and Rikichi go back to the village um, suffering a loss. And after that, they create a burial for Heiachi. And, you know, they're all mourning. But as they're mourning, the bandits basically come all of them come and they actually begin the first uh, real battle at the village right i think we can like and we could talk about it as it's split so like and starting with part one so basically yeah part one is just like the recruitment story right getting to Mm -hmm. know the the plot like the scenarios we have this village who's um you know who's feared of the bandits that are going to raid them and take their food. So they go out and hire samurai. And then pretty much most of the part one is just uh, hiring, hiring these seven samurai and like, just like character introductions, just getting to know each one. And also a little bit of like leading into last part. Once the samurai arrive at the village, kind of like the samurai getting to know the village people and then them planning their defense, training up the village men to, you know, also fight. And then there's also, like, the beginning of, like, what's it, Katsushido and, like, Shino's romance, quote-unquote. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so who... Who is your favorite character of the seven that, samurai that we meet? I actually like Heiachi the most. He's the character... He doesn't have a lot of fighting prowess. Sure. But he's kind of like the mood maker of... <laughs> Mm. the samurai crew and he's actually very you know witty and smart and he helps the villagers out a lot and he's very friendly with the villagers and he's very chill with the villagers whereas some of the other samurais are a little bit more uh, reserved the other samurais draw that line between the villagers but i feel like heiachi is a little bit more of the people so to say and so yeah i like heiachi a lot it's kind of sad that he's the first (laughs) one to go Kill the spirit but I think first. That is also a great way to set the tone of the movie and of the battles that are to ensue. Because even Gorobe says, you know, this guy would be a treasure during times of hardship. Right. But he's the first one to go, and and that kind of really, you know, mm. pulls down the mood and and really makes it a somber tone yeah. for the movie going forward. It definitely flips the switch. Yeah, he's definitely um, a character that brings out laughs and is pretty lighthearted with everybody. It makes a scene f- through the movie. I mean, for me, I don't know. I mean, as a first-time like watcher of Mufune's performance, like, it is definitely something. <laughs> and definitely like unexpected 
from whatever expectations that I have. I didn't expect yeah. uh, Kikuchio, that character, to be the wild animal that he is, you know? He and was I, actually um, supposed to play Kyuzo yeah. in the very beginning. Yeah. But then they decided that, you know, having these six samurais who are all like samurai strict <laughs> and all samurai would be so boring. So they're like, okay, we need somebody who can yeah. loosen up the bunch. Because, like, all of them are based off, like, or at least loosely based off real-life uh, samurai, uh, real-life yeah. his- historians. But Mufune's character Well, well it was, it's is based like off a, a story that, that was around about these six samurai who defended a, a farm. But, uh, you know, but Kikuchio is, is a completely made-up character for the film. So there's yeah. so much loose and so much freedom that he had with him. And, like, he... I read that he, do, he did get a lot of improvisations... Uh, to incorporate so and it really shows i mean it really really shows and like you know in performance and just as a character he's interesting as like you know these bits and pieces of backstory that he i mean he's a very mysterious character overall like there's the most little that is known about him and what you do know is like a lie at first right because he has like the family scroll but it's like stolen from some other family he doesn't even know his real name like kikuchio is just like a placeholder name that other people have called him and he's like, you just call me whatever you want, you know? And so, but as the story progresses and as like, especially like during the battle, you find out that he was once a farmer child as well. He had no parents or when that scene where the elder and then like the family, like their hut burns down and then she runs and then like delivers the baby to him. And then he's like, this is me. You know, there's yeah. like such a gripping moment and like, oh, you know what I mean? Like so yeah. much of like his own character being put out in that way, I just love like the contrast of it of like this guy who's like a kid in his mind and acts like a child and is super brazen, but then when he confronts these moments um, of like maturity or like you know with reality per se, kind of like is polar to his character in a way, but it's interesting. He's kind of both a samurai and a farmer, right? Like, right. He's he is the middle ground. He's the one that connects really the villagers to the samurai every single time, right? Yeah. Even yeah. from the very beginning, when the villagers were scared to, you know, come out, he's the one that brings them out, and that's how they kind of reconcile. He also knows a lot about the farmers and how they are and what they're like. Exactly. And yeah. he. He knows that they have like secret stockpiles of food and, <laughs> yeah. and wine and sake and stuff like that, and even mm. like equipment. And he makes them take it out, right? Because of that, the samurai are actually very mad because they realize that they had to kill samurai to get these equipment. Right. And so they're mad at the village people. But then Kikuchi defends the village people, saying that it doesn't matter if it's samurai or bandit, these people all raid. The villagers and the villagers are doing what they need to do to survive right and right. because of that like they, he basically shames the samurai and they kind of they feel mm. the shame and realize like you know these village people need to do what they need to do and like right. we can't judge them for that bringing everyone down to the same level is what kikuchio does in this movie i feel like i mean he's very like polar and he he talks like on both sides and criticizes both sides like in that scene he you know, yeah, he shames, like, the samurai, but he also shames the farmers. So it's so, yeah. it's, it's so tricky to see, like, you know, not just, like, what side he's on, but he has, like, he has, like, feet in both water, you know? And, like, he himself is kind of, like, 
like I understand like where the samurai and I understand like what the farmer is but like no nobody's sort of like right in this kind of situation is like he's like oh you know yeah they're they can be liars and cheaters and they have their own stock parts for themselves and they're like farmers are essentially like selfish in that manner when it comes to helping outsiders and but then like if you just see it from the farmers all the samurai come and do is want to steal all of their food and take their wives and destroy their homes and you know what i mean so it's like he, he's always like conflicted between like being a farmer is his nature but he wants to be a samurai like as a person you know so he's like doesn't really relate to either side like to me as i see him when he's like he has a lot of times with the village people alone but he's his own person like he doesn't really like sympathize with them or like really relate to them as a fellow farmer and nor does he do the same with the samurai either you know what i mean he's kind of an outcast of all both groups right right but it's it's funny because he's kind of the embodiment of chaos sure but he's also kind of the embodiment of logic he's the most (laughs) logical dude if you think about it in a certain sense because he understands both the samurai's point of view and the village's point of view and he's able to understand that you know looking at their point of view they have to do what they have to do Mm. and that's very interesting that a character in this movie has that role of both chaos and of both understanding both Mm. sides yeah he's a very interesting character indeed yeah i mean like overall he was the most interesting for me but i really liked everybody because just to see that this movie has individual characters like Everybody really is to their each of own compared to everybody else. And at the same, like, you know, like all of those samurai are their own person and they definitely have like their own distinct traits and personalities. And it shows on screen, but also how you can separate samurai from the villagers, you know what I mean? From the farmers. And those are like, you know, like that group versus the farmer group they just like uphold themselves differently. Like it's like water and oil kind of thing. It's just so interesting to see like how you have like one set of people that are different, but then you can go and look at them individually and then they're their own characters in that sense too. Yeah. In terms of badassery, <laughs> I feel like I mean, Kuzo is, I mean, Kuzo is like, is my favorite. Is like a sword God. <laughs> yeah. I really thought he was going to die when he like ran off to get, the musketeers <laughs> and it was like overnight and then he comes back like like nothing and it just goes yeah. to take a nap and then katsuyoshito's like i just wanted to tell you i think you're amazing <laughs> like fanboys <laughs> in front of him yeah <laughs> oh, man. yeah how did he die again like did he, he die gets in the shot front? oh okay oh he gets yeah, shot yeah. while while the bandits are hiding in in the village one of the buildings and, like the very one last. of the yeah. Yeah, one of the leaders, they shoot him with a musket while, you know, they're, like, looking for them. It's always with the cheap shots. Always with the cheap yeah. shots. Yeah. Honestly, when Hayashi died, I didn't hear the gunshot. And then I read that it was actually, like, delayed in the film. Like, it doesn't happen to, like, a second or two after he falls. No, I mean, the, the gunshot's there. But I never noticed it. So I thought he died by just getting shoved over by <laughs> Rikichi. And I was like, What? <laughs> Well, the thing is, if you actually watch the movie, a lot of the the piercing and the slashing is not really. Oh no! Yeah, it's in sync. It's, <laughs> it's so it's so not real. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you get you give it a pass because 
like the movie itself is pretty like epic like it is definitely like action battle epic and so yeah. like seeing sort of just the grandiose of like how he just shoots the scenes in action it's like all right fine it doesn't have to be like the most realistic action but it's yeah. definitely don't expect there to be like blood or like convincing cuts or stabs right. <laughs> like they're they're blatantly like missed which is like shoved through the armpits <laughs> which it's definitely different from his other works i think his later works are more graphic and it's a little bit more um articulate in that sense <laughs> it's more articulated the the blood and the fighting and the cutting and the piercing yeah. is a little bit more in his earlier works i think that's well, that wasn't his priority. Right, right, say. right. <laughs> There's yeah. a lot of other stuff that he needed to get down, really, really well, get down. So, Well, like, in general, I'm interested to see, because, like, are those other movies more, like, does he use close-ups more? Because in this movie, we, you, I mean, there's, like, hardly any close-ups. Like, you never get up close into a scene for it to matter, right? Because, like, a lot of the action stuff happens wide, and so it's... He uses a lot of telephoto lenses, actually. Right, right, right. But he shoots it from very far. Yeah, yeah. And so, and so, yeah, like the sense of grandiose is there, I think, mm-hmm. more. There's not a lot of like one-on-one kind right. of things going on. Right. It's more like groups fighting each yeah. other. Which is easier to get a pass in like the aspect of graphicness. Right. Person, you know what I mean? And you have to realize like this is 1954. So, oh, yeah, yeah. So, so like the level of like there's not you can coordinate all of this in a way that they can edit it yeah like i think he had like three cameras running at the same time so that every time they took one take they he would have multiple viewpoints yeah because they had i mean they basically had to do that entire last final like in one shot for the most part so and like having all the logistics of you know figuring out how to move the horses and and all of that must have been dude. I, I can't crazy. even imagine. <laughs> I heard like yeah. I mean, I like the story goes. There's like 148 days of shooting that they went. The film went four times over budget, and they got shut down like at least twice. And like yeah. some reports I read, like they got shut down several times. The production shutting it down because they were like, "This movie's coming way out of hand," but also yeah. just because of like logistics, like horse shortages. I read once and other things. Yeah. So, like, I mean, I could just imagine the nightmare of this movie. And every time the production closed, Kurosawa would just go, just go, go fishing. fishing. <laughs> and he'd be like, yeah, I mean, they're going to so have smart, to invest though. in yeah. this because they already invested too much in it. Yeah. But, like, if you, go, if you got halfway through this film, like, you, you got to go all the way. Like, there's no That's kind of smart, though. He's like, I know you're going to have to invest in this. It's too late. Like, it's it's too late. And then you're you're also investing in like Godzilla's around this time and then another samurai. Like it's too late. Mm. Like you just gotta make me make it. Let me make You my don't movie. wanna throw away all that money, right? Yeah. <laughs> Let me make my movie. Let me make my movie. <laughs> That's what he's saying. Yeah. <laughs> when we were watching Sanshiro Sugata, the judo and jujitsu in that movie, come on. Like he he does like one judo throw and a guy flies half across the room. Like yeah. he, you gotta you gotta lower your expectations. <laughs> I'm coming into this. Yeah, what else? So after the recruitment of the samurai, once the samurai finally get into the village, there's just like a lot of mini scenes that kind of happen before like part two. So like part two really happens after the harvest. So part one is basically leading up to once they get to the village, they figure out, okay, we can start like actually making the defense 
the defenses after you guys harvest the rice because because like that's that's when the bandits were going to come anyway after they did their harvest so that way they have something to steal because the farmers didn't have anything beforehand yeah so like i said there's like a lot of mini things um i think i mean one of the best scenes we talked about um was when so i guess kikuchio is in charge of training up the villagers in spear battle essentially and so there's like a lot of mini scenes there and he tells them he right he sees that um yohei has an actual spear and he's like where did you get this from and he's like do you have more and he tells him to go get it and so kikuchio comes back to the tent where the other samurai are and he presents to them like all the armor and weaponry that the village has uh from dead samurai basically and pretty much what the farmers do is like after a battle they'll go into the losing side and steal all their stuff essentially so from the dead samurai. yeah and the samurai don't see this like as as a samurai know like where they get this from they see it as like like shameful in a way or just like like backstab kind of feeling like this is this is what villagers and farmers do to us like it's not like why would you share this to us you know because we know that you know you just took that off like our dead brothers kind of that's how the samurai yeah. feel um and then like kind of the tone sombers a lot and kikuchi goes into this rant about you know understanding like i'm mad at the villagers for doing this like obviously you know you try to help them and then this is how they repay you they want to steal your stuff and blah blah they're kind of greedy and then he talks of, and then he contrasts like well you also don't understand like what the farmers feel like is that from samurai you guys to the farmer's point of view the samurai come in take our rice take our food you know take our wives burn our homes etc etc and he just kind of like falls into this emotional state and that's when the samurai realize that kikuchio is uh, originally a farmer boy of some kind and he kind of like stomps away off and such like that 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 i think that is probably my favorite scene or at least in top two um it just really spoke a lot to his character and really gave like a heavier i think like meaning to the movie because mm. i think because when i watched this it was very like sanchiro sugata in a sense that the story is pretty simple like it's a pretty straightforward narrative of just like the village people need help so they hire these guys to defend their village it's just like really long-winded in three and a half hours but it's pretty straightforward but there's like a a lot of these smaller interweaving character moments that really bring up the movie a notch and this for me was that yeah then there's like katsushito's and shino's romance that kind of blossoms up what do you think of that (laughs) it's not my favorite scenes let's just say (laughs) I, I don't think it's bad in terms of having it in there because I think it all adds an element, a subplot that's right. interesting. And it actually serves as a uh, a fault line between the samurai and the um, villagers again. Right. Because it kind of, it's, it's the moment when the villagers feel like what they thought, what they predicted came true. True. Where the samurai are going to take the women and stuff like that, which kind of happened, but yeah. but it's kind of interesting because in one sense, it's just two young people, you know, falling in love, and so I forget who was the one that said. I think, um, 
Gorobe may, may have said it to, I think, Manzo. He's like, hey, like, they're just two kids who are falling in love. And right. during battle, during a siege, you, you know, you don't know what's going to happen. Like, crazy things happen <laughs> during a siege. And, right. You know, these stuff happen. And, like, he tries to, you know, make, make Manzo understand. Manzo, his point of view is not even, like, my <laughs> my child, my daughter. It's more like he right, treats right. his daughter as, you know, a product. And he's kind of sad because he feels like Katsushiro basically deflowered her and made her less valuable. Right. I think it's a very interesting dynamic to put in the film. Mm. Especially in that moment when they're in the thick of battle and this happens. It's like right before the last battle that this happens and I think it kind of creates another tension between the villagers and yeah. the samurai that adds to what could possibly happen in the you know, right in the coming battle in the next yeah scene. the final yeah. conflict what a crappy like night before the final battle like <laughs> like it, all it's that sad happened. because they're like hey go back and go see your family and Manzo's like yeah I'm gonna go see my daughter <laughs> and basically you know is like yeah, sleeping with Katsushiro. was like, I want to see your daughter too. Yeah, <laughs> it's not your only night there, bro. And then it's like mad awkward when they come out, <laughs> and Manzo's just looking at them. He's like, "What? <laughs> oh man!" And then like the entire village comes, and then uh, Kambe, Kambe, and Gorobe are like, "Who did this? Who 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 was the culprit?" And then just like. Kazushido's sitting there like with the biggest guilty face in, in the, the foreground corner. right he's like in the foreground with all the villagers surrounding him <laughs> and the samurai's looking at him he's just like shunning himself in the corner like yeah it was it was me you know but I don't want to admit it oh man That's true. yeah no I like that like I think I had a good payoff in like the whole commentary of you know, samurai versus the farmers live on two completely different worlds, you know? And, you know, they talk yeah. about it too, like, oh, I wish I was born into a samurai family so that we can, like, be together, whatever. And then Katsushiro's like, it doesn't matter to me, like, whatever, whatever, you know, just, like, those useful, like, love excuses. But then, um, by the end, like, the status quo is maintained, you know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, they, they save the village and then Shino just goes back to living as a farmer and not, yeah. you know, wanting any kind of life with Katsushiro afterward. And it's like, ooh, sucker punch to the face. <laughs> sucker punch to the gut. In terms of its commentary on the different, you know, status between the samurai and the villagers, I think this was a great addition. I just didn't like Katsushiro or Shino very much. <laughs> I just thought they were very annoying. <laughs> yeah. But I guess that adds to the... Huh? I guess that kind of spices it up, I guess. Yeah. Their characters, you know, adds to the story. As a a film that was made to be entertaining by nature, like, you got to have a romance in there one way or another. Yeah, I mean, that was entertaining for sure. It's just, I didn't like them. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, I didn't have to like it, though. Yeah. um, Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, like, not the, the strongest bit of the movie, but... I thought the, I think it's I an interesting weakest, I think it's an right? interesting commentary though. Yeah. I think it's an interesting commentary though, you know. Yeah, yeah. I like for me, yeah, that's where I saw it. Like, really like it, it, it's imp- it's an important part of the film, I think. I don't mm-hmm. think it would be better without it. I mean, like overall, I think the biggest sort of commentary to look into the movie is this relationship between the samurai and the the farmers, you know. And like, oh, these samurais are going to help him 
and the farmers are asking for the help. What exactly is the relationship between them? Like, does it turn out to be something meaningful in the end? Or is it just like, I hired you. Thank you for doing your job. Now we can go back to living our lives while you guys do your samurai thing, which is what happens. And it's like kind of sad, which is why the last line is so great where Kanbei's like, well, it looks like it's it's a win for them, but it's a it's not a it's a loss for us, you know? Right. Even at the end, they kind of realize that there are two different classes of people. Right, right. It ends like that, so. And so, yeah. And, like, you know, throughout the film, like, this kind of discussion keeps happening. Like, especially with uh, Kiko Chiyo as he's kind of explains, like, oh, these are what the village people are like. These are what the samurai are like. Like, who can you kind of blame and who's in the fault, per se? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But I think for me, the weakest link, like, plot-wise in the story was probably Nikichi and his wife. Like, that was kind of... I, I You could, like, pretty easily assume that the, that the lady from the hut that comes out and then, like, runs back in is his wife. But it's, like... But then that's it. Like, it's never, like, really blatantly explained. Like, well, he comes out and he's like, that's my wife! But I felt like there could have been a lot more done there. But... Well, anyway. no, actually, there is a lot there. Because Rikichi, actually, even before when they're... Um, preparing for the defenses and when he's right. you know learning to train with a spear like Heiachi actually asked Rikichi like you should get a wife and Rikichi I'm... gets mad and he kind right. of like walks off and like those little moments kind of build to that moment right. when Rikichi and Heiachi now are in this moment where they're fighting together but then Rikichi realizes that the wife is there and he tries to go for the wife, but then Heiachi basically gives his life for Rikichi. Mm. And there's an interesting kind of back and forth there from the beginning moments when they're kind of talking to each other. And, you know, Heiachi is trying to kind of break the ice with Rikichi, but Rikichi is very closed off. Right. And to the end when he ultimately risks his life for Rikichi. And I actually like that scene because in that moment when, when they're, doing the sneak attack and they're kind of scouting inside. Mm. There's that scene where Rikishi's wife wakes up and she's like looking around yeah. and she realizes that there's a fire and she just like looks around and kind of like smiles, but she doesn't do anything. And it's kind of, you can see, you can see, yeah, you can see what she's thinking and it's all without any dialogue. And it's just a beautiful moment where she's like, I'm going to just die with these people and in this fire. I'm not going to, you know, right. scream or anything because I'd rather die than to be an act of my revenge. So, yeah, it was like a, it's a beautiful scene, yes. I think, there with no dialogue. But you can just know, you know what she's thinking just uh, from, you know, her facial expression. So, yeah, I like that scene a lot as well, actually. But, yeah, I don't know. I just didn't like the. The whole, like, that bit of just, like, telling the relationship between them. Because, like, right. I mean, I, I really like that scene. And when they were, like, you know, looking and then she's... You can just tell so much from, like, how she's looking. And she's, like, back and forth of, like, being scared and then, like, calming herself down. And then just, like, oh, I'm just going to let everybody burn inside me. Yeah. Because, like, and you just, like, instantly know, like, what her state... Like, she's not there by her own by her own will. Like, she's there by force, you know, whatever. Um, But, like... At that point, I didn't even know that that's Rikichi's wife. Like, you don't even know that's Rikichi's wife. You just think it's like, to me, I was just like, oh, that's just, I don't know, a girl who is like right. a captive there. So it's just like an interesting, like, little moment to watch. 
but then then it turns out to be Yukiji's wife and it's like I guess a payoff into that story but I was like ah yeah. whatever <laughs> like it's yeah. fine I was more yeah, upset. Heiachi shouldn't was... have died for Rikichi, basically. Huh? huh? <laughs> Heiachi shouldn't have died for Rikichi. Right, right. I was more upset that Hayachi died. I was like, oh, I know. I was like, like, no. <laughs> Hayachi! You can't go like that, man. You had to give him a heroic ending. Not this shot in the back business. Yeah. Who were, who were these second? There were two more that died, like, in the skirmishes afterward, but I forgot who. Kikuchiyo dies, Heiachi dies, Kyuzo dies, and Gorobe dies. Moving on with the first act. Then there's like the lonely grandma bit. With... So like, oh yeah. yeah. So there's like the romance between uh, Katsushiro and Shino. And then Kyuzo finds out as he's training in the rain. So he knows about the relationship the entire time. And then he finds him going out. And then like, Shijiro's bringing Shino food. But then she gives it to this old grandma who turns out to be, like, a widow and has no yeah. family because the bandits had murdered her son and her entire family. So she's, like, the last one of her family that's alive. So then everybody, they hear about this, like, third-party kind of thing, so nobody knows about the relationship. But they go to the grandma's house, and then they figure out, like, her story, and then it's, like, just adds more attention to, like, the scene, basically. Um, and then when they go find the scouts... The, the grandma comes out with the uh this the hatchet and is like ah! and they like just let her in, enact her revenge and all the samurai like stand back because they just feel like i guess that would be just the ride for her you know they don't yeah they can't take that away from her yeah that was a great scene too uh, somebody help her <laughs> <laughs> I know. Uh, so wrong but yeah so part two with the film starts off with the harvest so everything leads up to the to the harvest um so so the harvest happens and then as soon as they harvest they start to um basically change up the farm and like flood all the like parts of the marsh and they kind of split up like the village of like the north the south and i guess like east and west and they set up like different defenses in each area to it and i forget where do they have the entrance is it in the north that they have the entrance in? yeah right so like I said, yeah, they kind of have like this death trap essentially where there's only one way in and one way out surrounding the village. Um, and so like the first skirmish, well, the, the first skirmish is really the scouts and then to the, they do their ambush on the hut where Hayashi dies. And then when they come back that night, uh, the bandits come and they try to attack the village, but then they see the all the defenses and it's kind of like them going around the village seeing like, oh, they have like, this uh this marsh is too deep like the horses are gonna be able to pass or they have these um you know they have like the tree logs blocked off to make like a fence so they can't like cross over like they have the high ground <laughs> basically um and so they like basically like wander around till they find a north entrance and then they like start you know skirmishing that way and there's like mm-hmm. two skirmishes like there's that then there's like one at night and then there's the main battle of like the horses coming in and then they like attack them like one or two at a time basically yeah and then they let two horses get into the village um like by accident or whatever and they like take out like a heavy toll like they kill a couple of villagers i think yohei dies in that scene too yohei dies yohei dies and is that where gorobe dies too gorobe dies a little bit later but he dies while he's fighting at the entrance they pursue after the horsemen 
gotcha. into the forest and then he dies and then he comes back dead. So like at the end of that battle. Mm-hmm. Right. And then, oh, before that, Kikuchi's at his post or Kikuchi is at his post <laughs> and then they kill, he kills like one of the the scouts and then like dresses up in his armor <laughs> and then goes to one of the musketeers and like makes conversation with them pretending to be a bandit. And yeah. then steals his gun and then cuts him down and then runs back into the village. <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting scene too because the reason why he does that is because he sees Kyuzo uh, going by himself right. and getting, retrieving the musket. And he's kind of envious of him, so he decides to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. But then he gets scolded by Kanbei because he feels like Kikuchio did it for his own glory rather than for the people. And while he was gone... A few of the village people died, and he didn't protect his post, so he, you know, was mad at him. Kikuchi, dun dun dun. Even if he got the musket, <laughs> we, we don't need this musket. We need men. This film, you know, it's a very long film. It's a three-hour and twenty-something minute film, and for you to extend a battle for that long, like I think we talked about it when we did our war films before, but like. To be able to create a film about a battle that takes place for a long period of time, for almost, what, an hour and a half, it's just battles, right? right? And it's just skirmishes and fighting. Like, it gets tiring. It gets boring if you just show the same thing over and over again. But I think the beauty of this film is by breaking down these little moments Mm. and scenes into moments that are relevant to the story and relevant to the development of character and and relevant to bringing the stakes up or down having these scenes like that instead of just being this spectacle of like fighting 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 <laughs> right. and showing more fighting and showing a different way of fighting this film is good in the fact that it has stakes and it uses these scenes to develop characters and uses these scenes to make stakes higher or lower by you know losing a samurai right. or gaining a musket or, you know, all of these things or losing villagers, yeah. right? By creating that dynamic, I think it makes the battles engaging as a viewer. Whereas other battles, it's just all just fighting. And you're just like, why are they even fighting at this point? Like, you kind of wonder about that, right? No, 100%. Like, I mean, especially with the underlying staking is like an entire village is going to get murdered, you know? But also, like, when you th- if you think of it, like, for the samurai... Like, you know, they're not losing money or, like, anything. They're literally doing it for food or just out of sympathy for these people. So the only thing they have to go by is, like, is for their lives. Like, the stake is, like, themselves. And you, like, like I said, like, so much character is built up for each of these uh, different samurai. Like, they're, they're each different person and they're distinct. And you like them. Like, they're all really likable. And they all have a dynamic with each other. Um, And so just to, like, lose one of them is kind of devastating in a way, you know? And so, like, as a story, like, the stake yeah. is, like, man, I really hope that these all, all these guys come out of it alive or, like, on top, you know? Right. It's funny because, like, for me, it, it transitions from, like, the first part is, you know, the farmer's dilemma and them trying to, like, you know, we got to hire these samurai to help ourselves. But then part two is, like, we care about the samurai more than anything because, I mean, they're, they're the right. defenders of that farm village so the farmers like kind of take a step back as far as like i guess my attachment to them and i'm really more concerned as like how the samurai are going to turn out 
Yeah. But yeah, like I said, like it, it really comes down to just like not the battle themselves, but like, you know, what what is the cost going to be by the end of it? You know what I mean? Right. And because you, you only have seven samurai. Right. Against 40 <laughs> right. people. It's, <laughs> it's like you can only take so much yeah. loss. Like you don't want any of them to die. Yeah. And it's a very like, like, especially in the period piece that it is and just like seven against 40 like not it, it doesn't feel like a, like it does feel like a grandiose battle but at the same time it just doesn't feel like any other war film because it's not like lives matter in the movie right it's not like 10 mm-hmm. people could die in the background of a scene and it's like oh those people just die but here like you see five people die and you're like okay that's 40 minus five you know what i mean like yeah. it, and he, and he crosses them out, right? That's, like, the, another significance, yeah. right? So everything, like, has sort of, like, an influence in the movie. You know, the combat, the lives that die, they all have an effect in the film. Even for the villagers, like, who dies. In the, like, when Yohei dies, especially um, Kikuchiyo, like, he, he's the most emotional of everybody when it comes to losses. Pretty much part two, once Heihachi dies, like, all he does is sit by the grave for every night, you know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Even the last moment of Kikuchiyo, the reason why he gets mad or he gets enraged is because Kyuzo dies by the gunshot. And he goes chasing after the guy and the bandit basically shoots him. But then, you know, Kikuchiyo stabs him and he kills him. But he also dies at the same time. I think one of the interesting parts about this movie, though, is that anytime one of the main characters die, they never linger on their death. Sure. Like at that moment, right, you know, right. like a lot of mo- a lot of movies when, you know, the main character dies, it's like, oh. they have slow mo, and they're like, oh no, this guy is really right. important to our movie, but he's finally gone, so we need to linger on this moment. But like yeah. in this movie, they're like, he's dead, man, he's gone. Well, it's like you just see. You, well, it's like there's battles the still grave. going on, so they're like, oh my god, that guy died, but we still have a like a battle to fight like you know what i mean like exactly. there's still a threat there and i think that's more realistic right you know? exactly they don't like it's like he's just part of the number sure. of people that have been dying kind of thing it's, it's just like the priority is the threat you know i mean like i mean we mourn them after like after the fact you know right the priority is winning the battle right. i mean that and that point is made up front by combe like from the start you know once like, like after, once part one ends, um, it ends with, like, all the village people gathered up together. And he's like, look, here's the deal. Like, we can't... Or he also gives them this spiel on, like, the three outlying houses. And he's like, you guys are going to have to abandon your homes there because we can only protect what's at the village and the houses here. And he's like, this is the cost of war. Like, this is what it means to battle. And he's like, and for you guys, yeah. you have to start thinking as, like, one people. Like, you have to work in unison if you want to, you know, come out on top in this in this fight and then like the, some villagers like that lived in the outlying houses are like screw this and then they want to go and then come by is like oh nah <laughs> it takes out his sword basically threatens yeah. them to get back into line you know so like that that he, i mean he reinforces like look like there's going to be loss in here like there's like the nature of war isn't you know happy-go-lucky or like you have to kind of expect you know, some something to be like Loss. Um, cut off or whatever. So yeah, I mean, it, it sets a a really good tone in that sense. And like, like I was saying earlier, like I mean, the stakes are definitely real, and that's a huge factor when it comes to action films. So what are we mm-hmm. fighting for? What are we fighting for? So what do you think of like? I mean, this is 
definitely an ensemble film, right? And it's funny for like me, what I was right. thinking is that ensemble films are, it's a modern thing. When I think about like ensemble films, I, I don't think about like period pieces or like films that happened in the past. Well, I mean, sure, it can happen in period pieces or just films that happen like older films. It just feels like a very new idea. This could be like my mindset with, you know, Marvel films with like Avengers and like, you know, DC. Like it's a huge thing with the comic book era that we're in. Um, but like this is probably like the first one to kind of do it or like it is regarded to be the first uh, like modern film, quote unquote. And it's mm -hmm. it is pretty interesting to see like all the films, especially just like Hollywood blockbuster films that like derive from this movie, just like in structure and like characters and kind of like in format, you know, it's like, oh, I can yeah. definitely see how this movie was a backbone for a modern age that we live in now. What are some things that you kind of like see in relation to now? A lot of the subplots in this movie are subplots in other movies too. Right. Like the lovers, you know, right before the con final conflict, like those kind of things is a great, like a huge trope right. in, you know, modern war films and stuff like that. You know, that, you know, being in this movie, I think this movie like brought all of those things mm -hmm. together, all those little subplots and stuff like that together and, and created one thing. And I think that has a big influence on the kind of movies that we see now <laughs> right. where they have all of those things too. So for sure, I think that influence is really far reaching. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, even in characters, like, I mean, especially when you're making an ensemble um, film, just like the, the dynamic of having different personalities in a movie like you have the leader yeah. you have the comedian or like the sort of comic relief right you have the the badass or like the the skilled person you know like there is those like traits of characteristics that you are kind of like required in an ensemble film in some way and there's a lot of that you know kind of stemming from here as well i think definitely like this isn't like today it's a lot more dramatic and like the personalities are a lot I don't know, like just stretched out differently whereas like i think in this movie like they're definitely independent but they all get along which is really interesting to see like all of the seven samurai like nobody has beef with each other like they all are friendly even though they're mostly all strangers because they're all because they all recognize each other like as samurai except for like kikuchi in yeah. a way but they kind of adopt them you know mm -hmm. um but like in modern films i think you know like it's a lot more free to that point. Yeah. I mean, we talked about it before, but I think really putting Kikuchio in this movie was the defining mm -hmm. point of making this movie uh, interesting and not just, you know, the same old... I mean, they didn't have this kind of movie back then, but I think it really cemented this movie as something that stands the test of time. True. Just thinking about that fact, whereas like, Oh, just having these six, you know, stoic samurai is going to be boring and, and adding this super wild, super like force of nature-esque. Yeah. <laughs> right. Was well, something that I think really made this movie um, what it yeah. is. Yeah, I mean, he's, I mean, he's just not a character that you see anywhere. Like even today, like you don't, he just don't have a guy like that, you know? Not to that extent yeah, that's the right level. in terms of the acting but i think 
I think every film now has somebody like Hikuchu, though. You know, like every ensemble film has somebody like Hikuchu, who's the, you know, the outcast-ish, but funny and like makes everything a joke kind of character. You know, right, even right. in uh, Marvel has it, DC has it. You know, they always have this kind of character now because <laughs> of the fact that it really creates a dynamic within the ensemble. Mm. You need a wild guy. That's that needs to be in your script. The wild character, <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, anything else? What about in terms of technicality? The way that you know he uses the wind and movement in the film, and just how like he edited the mm-hmm. film too. I think it's really really tight the way that he edited the film, and because he was director and editor, I think that's one of the reasons why. Yeah you're able to get a film like this. And it's a very action-packed film, and I think the way that he cuts on the action really makes the film fluid. Um, because a lot of times when you watch something like a war film, um, especially when you're using telephoto lens, it's hard to keep the camera <laughs> on the action without making it look like it's like handheld like crazy or something right, like that. Like right. It's hard to see everything. But I think he was able to um, show the action in a way that doesn't hurt your eyes (laughs) and also made it feel epic and made it feel like it was really this grand like battle between these two forces. Right, right. Um, And it's actually, if you think about it, it's one of the most realistic battles that you have. because In terms of strategy, because a lot of movies, you watch it and you're just like, this is the dumbest <laughs> like strategy that you could have in defending right, right. a castle or something like that. Like to be honest, like if you watch like Lord of the Rings and if you watch like the Battle of Helm's Deep, some of the dumbest things like in defending a castle. But in this movie, they actually do really smart strategies like, you know, flooding the area so that the horses can't get through, like actually creating pikes and spikes that you know so that the horses can't go through and like using that death trap strategy all of those things are very sound like strategic you know, <laughs> like implements right, right. whereas like a lot of other battles like in other movies they're just like hey we just need to make it look big and cool so let's just have a exactly. fight in the middle without smart strategies just one big battle yeah so yeah i think i really give this movie props for that of like utilizing <laughs> strategy as part of the movie mm-hmm. yeah no 100% like I definitely agree I mean it is a big it's a big point in the movie obviously like they spent like half the movie explaining it but um yeah no it is like super realistic and it definitely matters and they cover like the bases and they they strategize they actually implement like we watch them doing it and then when it comes to the bandits attacking like like I said like they survey each area like they're like oh we can't go from the west yeah. side and they they come across the flooded marsh and like, okay, like, you know, he does the dipstick. And then they come through, like, at night over the fences, but they can't get over it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it goes through, like, it really covers its bases in the movie. And it, it really, right. like, solidifies their strategy. And, like, okay, now they have nowhere to go but through this entrance. And then they really, like, double down on their, their strategy, you know? And I think that's the thing, too. It's, like, you see their strategy and, like, their plan of we're going to lead one or two horses in. You know, we're going to take them off the horse and then poke them to death or whatever. Like you and you see it like action by action, and you like you understand like what they're doing. You know what I mean? 
exactly. Like because that they set that up in the beginning of going through all of the meticulous planning and helping us as the viewers understand that when we get to the actual battles, we know exactly where it is and what's going on right. there so that the payoff of that happens, yeah. right? Whereas like other movies, sometimes you're just so confused as even the layout <laughs> of like the whole area, like the yeah. castle or whatever. Like, <laughs> like the you're setting You're confused itself. of yeah. where, where the fighting is going on and what's going on and, and because they never really set up the area right, like right. in terms of visuals. But I think like the beauty of this film is that Kurosawa is able to set all of those moments and places up right. in terms of strategy so that later on when we actually get to the fighting, we know what is going on. Right, where, right. right? And there's like, I mean, there's like a lot of things happen really fast. Cause I mean, like there'll be a horseman coming in and then they'll like try to poke him, but then they miss and he like, breaks through the gate and then like mm-hmm. then it could be like you know kombe and then kukuchio and then one other guy like chasing him and then something happens like on the other post and he's like Kurobe, like go to that post and then like they skirmish out and so it's like just like your your focus is everywhere but you understand like oh like okay that he's going to that post and he's going back to the original post to help out like the conflict right there, you know what i mean it's really well planned <laughs> <laughs> i mean super sophisticated but like so well planned yeah and i mean like going back to just camera work like it definitely you could just definitely see how it's necessary what he did like what he used like three cameras all with telephotos and they just like followed the action like i mean it's definitely needed for for all that action and all those that choreograph that he had and definitely like you're never gonna have like you're never gonna be able to like simulate that again you know like the the action that happens it'd be tough to do it you know, for like a second take or something. I mean, for me, I do say my favorite shot is the the final one where it's like the four graves with the katanas and it's like the three of them sitting at the bottom of the hill. That was a really cool shot. Unfortunately. Yeah. I love the way that he uses the elements um, in this film too, like rain mm-hmm. and wind and all of that to emote, to the bring vibe. out the emotions <laughs> of, of the characters. Right. I mean, it's funny that it carries out, like, I mean, it definitely works with, you know, the, the village people find out the romance between uh, Shichichiro and uh, Shino, and it's, like, this huge dramatic thing, and she's, like, left in the mud <laughs> in the rain, and then, like, the rain carries out to the final battle, and it's, like, super, like, ominous and just, like, a heavy, like, atmosphere, you know? Yeah. And then, like, three more samurai die, so, yeah, it helps out that stuff, too. Did you expect... Is this this isn't your first time watching this, right? No. When was your first time watching this? A while back. Back when you were like a wee, a wee little Lee. I try to go back to this film every once in a gotcha. while. It's just a great film to watch. I think. Did you ever expect Kikuchiyo to die in the beginning? I think when I first watched it, I didn't think he was going to die just because he was such a, like, right. comedic character. But really cements that, like, sorrow mm. within the samurai group. Because, like, you really feel, like, the emptiness, right? Once he's gone and only the three guys are left and they're just watching, like, they're beneath the graves and they're just looking at the farmers and they're all happy. Right. But then the samurais are just, like, oh, we lost all of our people, but 
the farmers are happy and stuff and that contrast yeah, they have the really also years. when you see that yeah it definitely like cements to just like pay off in their characters a little bit because like i mean obviously mm-hmm. i mean you definitely expect excuse me sorry yeah i mean i i expect to like kikuchi to live uh just because it's like mufune <laughs> like it's just like it's this main character and actor and as well as like Kambe too like i definitely expected him to live which he did but also uh his old friend shichiroshi who also lives and it like very cements their their story of like you know like they're the always two friends who are like lieutenants and they've survived all these battles in their life you know and they're like getting old and tired of fighting and it's like they're the most it's like that 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 um trope of oh we're we're expected to like die at any time kind of thing but somehow we still yeah. live and have to like carry the weight of like all these other samurai on our back kind of thing but it's the veteran yeah yeah, yeah. It's, it's the veteran mentality it's the oldest dude and the lieutenant so and even when they meet at first he's like i thought you were dead he does right <laughs> he's like you survived he's like yeah um but yeah, i mean even a and then it's the it's the also the youngest guy katsushiro i expected him to live too because he's you know like the disciple character he's a young yeah. dude yeah that's that's one of the tropes too, <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's definitely like the student and like the old veteran who have to live mm. <laughs> but he i mean he lost in his own way <laughs> <laughs> yeah so what is next what are we watching next week number four Next up is Yojimbo. Yojimbo is uh, it was made in 1961. The American, I guess, translation is called The Bodyguard. Mm. And it features Mifune <laughs> reprise his role as... Well, he doesn't reprise his role, but he <laughs> plays the titular character can you imagine if you never played the same guy like he just plays the same guy for the rest of his career it's just the same same samurai samurai, just in different places different stories of his life it'll be interesting because this version of the samurai that mifune plays is a lot more traditional i Mm. guess more stoic definitely not like kikuchi (laughs) (laughs) yeah it should be interesting to see that it'll be a great dynamic in my part i'm looking forward to it definitely see uh, lots of good ones man I, don't, I honestly don't know like where my placement is right now it's a great film yojimbo is another great film you're gonna hopefully think, like it <laughs> i think samurai service samurai, samurai is number one so far which is okay sad. yeah i think that's that's the first three we go i think this is where it stands <laughs> mm. i like ikido too lee don't don't get mad at me but no i do you do you man <laughs> Uh, yes, yeah, so we will see you there, Yojimbo. Peace. Bye bye.